Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. John chapter 9, um, when I was in high school, I had the opportunity to go to Brazil. Has anyone ever been to Brazil? Okay, maybe, maybe not. No, so good. I can tell you anything I want and you wouldn't know if it's true or not because you've never been there. Um, but I was in southern Brazil and there's these mountains and like these mountains that kind of like it's flat and then they just kind of go straight up and they're these just big like kind of weird looking mountains. So one day we were with a youth camp and we were doing music with this youth camp and all kinds of things. And so uh, one afternoon they said, hey, we're going to go hike up a mountain. Okay great. And so there were probably like 40 of us, most of us teenagers, some of us, some, there were some adults there as well. So we go and we hike and it was pretty high. It was a pretty, pretty good hike. And we go way up and the top of this mountain, you get to the top and it was beautiful. And we take pictures and like, oh, it's really cool. And we take pictures of the sunset, which is really cool from the top of the mountain. But then all of a sudden it got dark and it got dark fast. So we're on top of this mountain. I wasn't one of the adults, but I can just imagine the adults are like, we have about 35 teenagers and no flashlights and it's really dark. And so there were some places on this trail that were dangerous. Like literally, if you had fallen, you probably would have fallen to your death. So this is, it was a little intense, really, really dark. So we're trying to go down this mountain. A lot of people are kind of like sliding down on the mud and like it was just pitch black. It was so dark that my dad was there as well. And my dad and I had this like small group of like people we were trying to help. And we both had like, like a Timex watch that like would glow or light up. It was so dark that we could like turn those on and be like, okay, yeah, I see you come this way. Like it was dark. Like you could not see your hand in front of your face. So we stumble, we go down. I mean, we're talking like probably there was some people that were like 13 or 14, some people that were, you know, older teenagers, this massive crowd of people going down this dangerous mountain in pitch black. We're stumbling, we were in complete darkness, we needed light. By the end, the short version is we were really grateful to get off of that mountain with no injuries. But think about that. If you've ever been in that kind of darkness, it's just like completely black. This morning, we're gonna read about a man who was well acquainted with darkness. He had been born blind. And then Jesus, the light of the world, shows up. As we continue in the Gospel of John this morning, our, our series is called I Am, looking at Jesus and who he says he is. So last Sunday, we read, if you, were, if you were here with us, we read this phrase, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And so today we see that same thing in a really, really practical way. As Jesus gives light, gives sight to a man who had been born blind. Through this miraculous work, Jesus is revealing his power and confronting us with the question, Will we believe that Jesus is who he says he is? So in the Gospel of John, Jesus is claiming to be the Son of God, the Messiah. And so giving sight to the blind, it wasn't just some random miracle. It wasn't Jesus just being like, wow, I really wish that guy could see. Let me heal him. No, it was the fulfillment of prophecy. This is numerous times in the Old Testament the, the coming of the Messiah is promised. And we're told in numerous places in the Old Testament, a couple times in the book of Isaiah and a few others, that Jesus, this Messiah who will come, would give sight 
to the blind. And so what we see here isn't Jesus just performing a miracle and doing a nice thing. He is fulfilling prophecy. Jesus is the Messiah sent by God to rescue humanity out of our sin. John chapter nine, it's a little bit long, but I wanna read the whole thing because I want you to have the whole story. So follow along in your Bible or follow along on the screen. Use your imagination, right? God gave us an imagination. Put yourself in this story as we read. John chapter nine, it starts out, it says, as he passed by, the he here is Jesus for context, right? So as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go up to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? Since he he has opened your eyes, he said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been born blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him 
and it is I who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. Let's pray together as we prepare to talk more about this. God, we thank you for your word. And we come with humble hearts this morning. And we thank you that your presence is with us. And we thank you that you speak to us through your word and your spirit. And we ask that you speak this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so there's a whole lot going on there. We're gonna try to unpack this. In John chapter eight, verse 12, which we read last week, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Apart from Jesus, we will walk in spiritual darkness. And what's more than that, there are people all around us living in spiritual darkness. If you're in the room this morning and you have not come to the point where you've put your faith in Jesus, the reality for you is that you are in spiritual darkness, meaning that you're not like, you know, the worst, most awful person, evil person. What it means is that you are not alive to the things of God. In your heart, you are blinded to the things of God. But for those of us in this room who have put our faith in Jesus, spiritual blindness can creep in when we live and act like we don't need God. Because our own self-sufficiency, and we see this in the Jewish religious leaders here, we'll talk about in a little bit, our self-sufficiency blinds us to realizing our need for God. But in all of this, Jesus is the light of the world. He brings light to our spiritual blindness. In the broken and spiritually blind world around us, Jesus is light. Jesus shines into our hearts and then sends us out to shine that light to the world around us. If you've been around Renaissance very long, you know at the end of every service, we say, hey, this week, let's love Jesus, love each other, and love our world. When we say love our world, we mean a couple things, right? We mean we want to serve and, and love the people around us in practical ways, but it also means that as a church, we have the desire and the passion to say, we love our world by proclaiming Jesus as the light of the world. proclaiming and shining the light of Jesus in the darkness. So as you listen this morning, consider your own life. Are you living in spiritual darkness apart from Jesus? Are you living in spiritual blindness by your own self-sufficiency or self-reliance? And as a church, are we living on mission and letting the light of Jesus shine through us? Our main idea this morning is simple, straight from the scripture, Jesus is the light of the world. We're gonna unpack this passage in two things. We're gonna look at the actual healing, the the miracle that happened, and then we're gonna look at the reaction after that. So let's start with the healing. Jesus and his disciples walk by a man who had been born blind. Now imagine this for a moment. He's born blind. He has never once seen a blue sky or a smiling face being blind defined him. If you've noticed in the story, we don't know his name. He, the whole time he's called the blind man or the man or the man who received his sight. We don't know his name. I thought about giving him a name, but then I decided not to call him Blind Bob. 
whatever, you can, now you'll probably remember that, right? We don't know his name. Being blind defined him. It shaped every moment of his life. Remember, this is the first century. They don't have Braille. Braille was invented in 1846, which is your fun fact of the day because I looked it up. So if you trust the internet, you can trust me, right? Um, (laughs) That's kind of a joke, right? This was the first century, there's no Braille, there's no meaningful ways for him to work or have a family and provide for, for, like, provide for a family. He needed someone to probably lead him and take him out to wherever he sat every day, right? This is his life, his existence. He sat every day begging to get what he needed, dependent on other people. And every day, people walk by, maybe some give, but probably most don't notice him. Every day, people walk by without noticing until one day, Jesus walks by. And this is here in verse one that we see this. And look at these powerful words there in verse one. It says, as he passed by, he saw. Jesus notices this man. It's the first thing that jumped out to me as I was reading and preparing this week. Jesus notices, and in the kind of the context, you go back to chapter eight, from last week, it's this kind of big like theological framework and Jesus is making these claims and there's all this stuff about Abraham and Jewish you know, heritage and all these, Jesus the Messiah, and yet Jesus, we come to chapter nine and he's noticing this man that many probably don't often notice. And so they walk by, Jesus notices him and the disciples then raise the question, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Now, this is probably a little, we, a little bit strange to us, right? If we, if we hear, if there's a situation where a, a baby is born, where maybe if it was blind, or maybe if there was some other um, mental or physical issue going on, we would not say, well, someone sinned that that baby was born that way. Was it the baby? Well, was it the parents, right? It's a little strange to us, but it was actually a common perspective of that day. One commentary I read said this, the rabbis taught that no one died unless there had been sin, and no one suffered unless there had been sin. Even a child could sin in the womb, they suggested, or even in the preexistent state prior to conception. Now, I don't know where their thinking was coming from, but they had a mindset that this, the child could sin. This was their belief system. If there was a physical issue with the person, it must be the cause or the, the result of sin. And so kind of look at that. What was happening was that the religious people of the time were viewing suffering in a very, very legalistic way. If something bad happens, it must, because, must be because I or someone else did something bad. But if good, thing hap- good things happen, it's because someone did something good. They deserve something good for God. This is legalism, saying, God, we do something and we get something in return because we've done good, or we do something bad and we get punished because we've done something bad. So Jesus comes to kind of pull this apart because the deeper question here, I think that the disciples are asking that they're kind of echoing from their culture is this, is suffering the result of sin? This is an interesting question because if we're honest, sometimes we can make really bad and sinful choices that lead to suffering, right? We can do things, right, you know, that, that we face the consequences of that either for ourselves or for other people. That's not really the situation here, right? We're talking about a man who was born blind. The situation is this. 
This question is more focused on, does suffering always have a cause? In verse three, Jesus gives us an answer. He says, no, this man's blindness was not a result of sin, but it says, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. A lot of you in this room have faced suffering and we will all face suffering in various ways and forms. Think about your life. If you're facing suffering that is the result of your own sin and bad decisions, well, here's the good news. Repent and run to Jesus. Because the good news of Jesus, last week, we, last week we said this, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you've put your faith in Jesus, God is not going to punish you because of your sin. That punishment has been put upon Jesus. Now, can we face the consequences of our sin? Yeah, we can but we are not condemned. And so, if you're dealing with things in your life that are the result of your sinful decisions and actions, don't sit condemned, run to Jesus this morning. But if you're suffering and it doesn't make any sense to you, and if you've been through suffering and you say, God, why, what is going on? Let me encourage me, encourage me. Let me encourage me. You guys just listen, I'm gonna encourage me. Let me encourage you this morning. What Jesus is saying is this, is that God can reveal his greatness and his power in and through your suffering. One author, and this will be on the screen, said this, rather, I'll let it get up there. Let me see where it is. All right, this, all right, it says this, rather than being the result of sin, hardship and suffering may be part of God's plan to reveal his power. We don't understand that, right? I I can't claim to be like, well, it's this and it leads to this. We don't, there's, there's some mystery there and we don't understand, but God is sovereign. Rather than being the result of sin, hardship and suffering may be part of God's plan to reveal his power. And that's what's happening here is what Jesus is getting at in the beginning of John chapter nine. In this man's suffering, we're about to see Jesus work a miracle. And just like in John chapter eight, Jesus again makes the claim here in verse five. He says, I am the light of the world. Then Jesus does something really strange. And maybe I'm sure you heard it and you're paying attention, right? Jesus spits on the ground, bends down, you know, kind of stirs it around, brings it up, puts it on the man's eyes and sends him to wash. Now, this is really strange. I don't know why he did this. You know, I I did some study and some looking. There's some like, oh, you know, Jesus is the word. He was with God in creation and God created man out of the dust and God is using the dust and recreating. Maybe, I don't know. There's a whole lot of, there's, you know, what I know is this doesn't really make sense other than the fact that Jesus seems to be making a point. He is using ordinary, everyday things, dirt and spit and water to heal this man. These things have no ability on their own to heal blindness, but Jesus does. So he makes this mud, he puts it on the man's eyes. The man's probably like, I don't know what you're doing, but go for it, right? And he says, okay, I want you to go to this certain pool in Jerusalem. I want you to go there and I want you to wash. And then, you know, we come to the end of verse seven, And it seems so understated if you look at the end of verse seven. It says, so he went and washed and came back seeing. In a moment, this guy's life was completely flipped upside down. We don't know how old he was, but he's considered a man. Later we'll see his parents say, hey, he's of age, asked him. So I would guess he's at least like 
18 or older, you know, in my mind, I'm, I don't know. I don't know how, we don't know how old he is, but his entire existence has been in blindness. And in verse seven, he came back seeing. This blind man was just given his sight. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, and then literally brings this man out of darkness and into light. Jesus cut through all of the cultural ideas here about sin and suffering and sets this man free from his blindness. I can't even really imagine it, right? I've never been blind. I've never experienced this. But if you can imagine being born blind and then seeing for the first time trees and the sky and sun and people and colors, this man's life has been changed forever by Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. So this is the miracle. This is what happened, is what Jesus did. Let's look at the reaction. I wanna move through these quickly, but there are multiple reactions here in John chapter nine to this healing. Think about it as we go through, what would your reaction be? First, we see the neighbors. We see this in verses eight through 12, and they're skeptics. They're like, we don't know what's going on here. They didn't recognize the man. The blind man that they saw every day is now walking around in front of them, seeing And I can imagine that his entire countenance had changed, right? This guy that before needed someone to lean on was maybe bumping into things. I don't know. They're like, and now he's just like zipping around. They're like, who are you, right? He can walk around without help and they can't even recognize him. And all the while, as the neighbors are debating, like, is it him? Is it not him? I don't know. It just looks like him. The guy's like, hey, 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 over here. I'm him. I'm the man. Like we see that here in, uh, in, in these verses. He says, I am the man. And they're like, well, what happened? And he explains what happened to him. And in verse 12, they say, well, where is he? He's like, I don't know. (laughs) If you remember, right, follow the story. The guy never saw Jesus. He was blind and Jesus sent him away. He has no idea what he looks like. He doesn't know where to find him. He's like, yeah, this all happened. I don't know where he is, right? And so we have this reaction from the neighbors. They're like, we don't we don't even recognize you. You're something, what has changed? You can see now, how can you see? And they seem quite skeptical and don't believe it. Secondly, we get the reaction of the Pharisees and we see this starting in verse 13. These are the Jewish religious leaders. And if you've been with us in the book of John, they've kind of been showing up over and over again. Kind of their their MO is these are the religious leaders. They follow the Jewish law. They really aren't on board with believing that Jesus is who he says he is. And they really... At this point, they don't like Jesus. Many of them have tried to kill him already because he is claiming to be the son of God. So they hear what happens and their first reaction is in verse 16. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. So the first thing they hear, a blind man has received sight. And, and, and I think what we, we, we can miss easily is these are these Jewish religious leaders What we have in our Bibles as the Old Testament, they knew it front to back. They knew the prophecies of the Messiah who would come, who would give sight to the blind, right? I can't say that we would, I can't say that I would do any better, but there should be alarm bells going off in their heads of like, this is the man. This is the guy that was prophesied about. And yet their hearts are hardened. Their hearts are blinded to who Jesus is. So this man is healed and their concern is he did this on the Sabbath. The healing happened on a Sabbath. And on the Jewish Sabbath, the no, no work was allowed. 
And so what's happening here is the Pharisees have adopted a very legalistic view of the Sabbath, thinking that keeping the Sabbath is more important than loving and caring for people. So they're, they're upset because like, well, he did this on the Sabbath. He should not have done that. They did not believe that Jesus was the son of God. And they did not believe that this, this man's story of his healing. They're like, we don't believe this. How did this happen? And they go back and forth. And this man, after going back and forth with this man's story, if you jump to verse 34, it tells us that they cast him out of the synagogue. So they're trying to figure out, okay, are you really, were you really blind? Were you really healed? How did it happen? And eventually the man, as he continues to just say what he knows, they come to a point and they say, you know, in verse 34, it says, they answered him, you were born in utter sin. So they're going back. They are adopting their beliefs of the time. Like, who are you to say? You were born blind. You did something wrong before birth, right? You don't deserve us to, to tell us anything. And it says they cast him out, which means they cast him out of the synagogue, which would have been a really big deal. They cut him off from Jewish life. They cast him out. We think about these Pharisees in verses 39 through 41, the very end of this chapter. Jesus confronts them and shows them that they are living in spiritual blindness. So you have this weird, cool mixture of a physically blind man who was physically given his sight, and yet the end, it wraps around to these Jewish religious leaders who are spiritually blind and refuse to be given their sight. We'll talk more about the, the, the Pharisees here in a moment. The next reaction we see is the parents. This is in verses 18 through 23. And we meet this man's parents. The Pharisees want to get to the bottom of things. So they ask his parents. They go find his parents and they say, hey, is this your son? Like they're trying to like disprove it or whatever. Is this your son? Was he born blind? And they're like, yep, he, that's our son. And yes, he was born blind. And no, we don't know how he can see now. His parents were fearful of getting kicked out of the synagogue. So they sidestepped and they said, hey, He's an adult, he's full grown, right? Go talk to him. They feared for their reputation and their status. We think about our own lives and what ways do we kind of sidestep standing up for what is true and what is right because of our fear of our reputation or our status. And these, this man's parents, you know, that's probably, there's a lot of, emotional stuff going on there. This guy's like, I am your son. My whole life I've been blind and now I can see and now you're just gonna essentially throw me under the bus, right? And the man says, I don't know. I just know that I can see. And his parents aren't willing to say, yeah, we don't know, but this, this is our son. Then we come to the man and his reaction. I really like this guy. Right? His life has completely changed and he does not have all the answers. Everyone around him is trying to figure out what was going on, if he was really blind, if he was actually healed. And the whole time he's kind of saying, hey, I'm right here. Yes, it's me. No, I don't really know how it's happened. I've told you all multiple times. He took some mud, he put it on my eyes. I went and washed and I could see. I don't really know how it happened. I think verse 25 is really a key verse in this passage. And maybe you've heard it before. Verse 25, they're questioning him and he's, he answered because they're, they're trying to figure out if they're, they're accusing Jesus of being a sinner. And the man says, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Such a, a, a simple truth, right? That as the Pharisees, he, 
they're interrogating him and all these things. And he just simply says, listen, guys, this is what I know. I was blind and now I can see. He's sharing what Jesus has accomplished for him. This man, you know, they continue asking him questions. In, in verse 27, you can actually hear the sarcasm in his voice, right? Because they're, they're continuing to question him. They're like, how did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Like this is straight up sarcasm. He's like, listen, you guys keep asking. You sound really interested in this Jesus guy. And they're just getting angrier and angrier. And he's like, listen, I don't know the answers. And in verse 33, The man gives a defense for who Jesus is. He says, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. I love the man, if if we kind of step back, like he is face-to-face having these conversations with these religious leaders. This man is the opposite spectrum of society and status. Like he's actually being quite bold in the way that he's standing up to these guys and interacting with them. And he says, listen, if this man truly is the son of God, then you should believe that he can heal. If he's not, then he's sinful. And if he's sinful, then how in the world could he heal anybody? He's messing with their logic and they get angry and they reject him and cast him out of the synagogue. And after all of this, Jesus comes to find the man. And when the man connects the dots that this is Jesus who healed him, the son of man, it says he believes in him and worships him. We see that in verse 38. And so what we see is the physical healing of this man's blindness, but verse 38 reveals the spiritual healing. This man sees you are Christ. You are the son of God. I believe in you and I worship you. Apart from Jesus, this man would have remained physically and spiritually blind. Jesus was the light of the world to this man. All right, let's make this practical. First thing this morning that I wanna encourage us and challenge us with is this, recognize your blindness. This story shows us that we must be aware of our spiritual blindness. In verses 39 through 41, this is what Jesus is getting at, that spiritual sight only comes in recognizing our blindness. And if you read those verses, they they seem a little bit weird, right? He says, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see, see may see and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see your guilt remains. And we're like, okay, what's, what's, what's he talking about here? This is what Jesus is getting at. Spiritual sight only comes in recognizing our blindness. These guys thought they were okay because they were these religious leaders and yet they were spiritually blinded. And it was the very fact that they said, no, no, we're good, we don't need anything. That was bringing about their blindness. Because it's possible to be religious and spiritually blind. It's possible to be a church person or a good person and be spiritually in the dark. Charles Spurgeon preacher from the 1800s wrote this. He says, it is not our littleness that hinders Christ, but our bigness. It is not our weakness that hinders Christ, it is our strength. It's not our darkness that hinders Christ, it is our supposed light that holds back his hand. Jesus is confronting these Jewish leaders. He's confronting them with this fact that when we think that we've got life all figured out, and have it all together, that is the moment that we are blinded to our need 
for God. Jesus came to bring sight to people who have become blinded to the things of God. You and I, just like the Pharisees, we can be blind to our blindness. And I realize that seems layered, right? But we know, I think you know what I mean. Like we can be completely unaware of the things that we're unaware about. And it's only in humbling ourselves that we gain sight. It's only in humbling ourselves and saying, I don't have it figured out. Jesus, I need you is when we begin to see clearly more of who Jesus is. So ask yourself this morning, is your heart humble today? Come in humility before God, recognize your need, recognize your blindness and recognize your dependence on him. Recognizing our blindness is the path to freedom because it is letting go of managing our own lives and placing our lives in the hands of God. Recognize your own blindness and humble yourself. Jesus is the light shining into our darkness. The second thing I want us to see this morning is that God notices you. We read in verse one, Jesus passed by and saw this man. Another theologian from long ago, a guy named Matthew Henry wrote this about this passage, about verse one. He said, this poor man could not see Christ, but Christ saw him. This man did not get up that day going and saying, hey, today's that I'm gonna wave, wave down Jesus and say, hey, today's the day to heal me. He had no clue, but Jesus noticed him. Jesus saw him. Jesus came to him. What an incredible thought that even in our sin, in our spiritual blindness, Jesus reaches out to us. He sees people, he sees us, he comes to us with his healing hand. As I've already kind of said, John chapter nine, it has an upper story and a lower story. The upper story, the big picture of this text is this, Jesus is the Messiah fulfilling the words of the prophets, healing the blind, revealing himself as the savior. And that's incredible right? That's the upper story. But I love how Jesus doesn't just, he's not just this like kind of out there aloof, you know, he's down in the dirt with us. Because the lower story is this, and we see Jesus showing up, seeing this man and changing his life. For you and I, in the grand scheme of God and what God is doing in the world, God is making his name known in all of the earth. God is you know, he's sovereign. He's doing big things that we have no idea about. But in the middle of that, he notices you. In all that God is doing in the world, he notices me and he notices you. God always works. What I love about the story, God always works with real people in real places and in real times. God's work is not separate out there somewhere else. God's scripture is not some book that this, these things are truth. This man, this man I fully believe was a man who lived and existed and this was his experience. God works with real people in real places in real times. And in this account in John chapter nine, the kingdom of God broke through on a normal day and forever changed this man's life. Jesus met him in his place of need. God meets us in our place of need place of brokenness, our place of hurt, our place of blindness, in the places we can't fix ourselves, in the places we can't fix our own situation, God meets us. In the places that you feel forgotten, 
beaten down, unnoticed, God notices you. If you're a Christian this morning, remember this all over again in your life. Jesus brought light into your world. Jesus came and noticed you and rescued you out of your sin. If you're not a Christian, know this this morning. God sees you. He notices you. He loves you. He's inviting you to himself to find life in him and to bring light into your spiritual darkness. God notices you. The final thing this morning is this. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus, for you and I and for others, Jesus is the light of the world. In the same way that Jesus noticed the blind man that that day, man, it's my prayer for myself and for us as a church is that we would notice the people around us. Let's let that be our prayer. God, help us to see, to truly see those around us, to see the broken and the hurting and the lonely and the spiritually blind because we are surrounded by spiritual blindness. Let's let that be our our prayer. God, open our eyes to notice the people around us. When this blind man was healed, he could not contain it. Right? We read in verse 25, he's like, listen, I don't know. All I know is this. I was blind, but now I see. And I love that. Listen, I'm a pastor. I love theology, theology, theology and doctrine. I love that stuff. And it's really important and it's vital. We must have a, 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 a correct foundation and understanding of God's word and of the truth. I love that. But I love the power of the testimony of a changed life. This man, he says, I don't know. I was blind, now I see. This isn't, he's not being like, well, Jesus was the son of God, born. No, he's like, I don't know. But this is what happened in my life. People who are changed by Jesus can't help but to speak about Jesus. When we experience good news, we can't help but share it. It overflows out of us. That's what's happening with this man. Jesus changed his life and he is just bubbling over in every conversation as he continues to say, I can see. Jesus gave me my sight. And the encouragement when we think about Jesus as the light of the world is that you and I, we can share our story with other people. We don't have to have every single answer, but we can share this. We can say, this is who I was. This is how I met Jesus. This is how my life has changed. I once was blind, but now I see. We have good news to share. There is hope and there is a way out of darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. I'll close with this, which I've already said this before. Apart from Jesus, we will walk in spiritual darkness. And spiritual darkness is our reality before Christ. Every one of us, we are born in sin. Now that's different than what this chapter, this verse says. It doesn't mean we've, like being born in sin means that like kind of our nature, our direction, even from birth is to rebel against God. We are born separated from God. We have no way to get back to God, but God in his grace and love sent his son Jesus. And Jesus lived a perfect life He accomplished everything that you and I could accomplish. He obeyed God perfectly and he comes to us and Jesus gave his life on the cross to pay for our sin. And he rose from the dead conquering death and it is only through Jesus that we as humans can come before God and say, God, 
here's my sin. I turn away from it, I repent. My allegiance was to myself and my sin. Jesus, my allegiance is to you. And we put our faith in him and we follow him. And it's in that moment that the, the, our spiritual blindness is removed and we are brought into relationship with Christ. God sent Jesus to set us free from our spiritual blindness, and from our sin. And this is good news. We turn away from the world and we say, Jesus, I wanna follow you. I want to walk with you in the way that you created me to be. Author, an author named Paul Tripp wrote this. Grace causes us to be alive to God and causes our eyes to be open to spiritual realities we once had no capacity to see. It's the grace of God that draws us to himself. The gospel reminds us that we are not self-sufficient for myself and for every Christian in the room. We need to remember this. We are not self-sufficient. We did not save ourselves. We did not bring ourselves to God. It is him that saved us. And as we live out our life, we need him. We are completely in need. And it's easy for us to creep back into self-reliance, legalistic mindset, but the gospel realigns our hearts. It brings us back into the reality of this we can't save ourselves, but Christ has saved us. We are in need and all we need is Christ. Jesus is the light of the world. This morning, maybe you need to put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you have come to that point where you need to say, I need to turn away from my sin and Jesus, I need to put my trust in you. We would love to talk with you. Maybe today you need to be honest and recognize your blindness. And you need to humble yourself all over again to say, okay, I don't know. I don't know all the answers. God, I need you. Maybe today you need to cling to Jesus, remembering that he notices you. He knows what's happening in your life right now. Trust him. Maybe you need to feel in a fresh way the, the goodness, the weight of the gospel, the glory of the gospel in your own life so that it begins to bubble out of your life. Maybe today you need to ask God for opportunities and for boldness to share the gospel with others. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl.gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world. 